Meanwhile, back in the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, born into a world that doesn't understand them. First issue. Second, second. I'm doing it all out of the... I don't know it anymore. Sorry. Talking. It is Wednesday, October the 28th, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, not Bobby Shortle, and I am joined via Skype with Steve Say. I'm not wearing any pants. And Mr. Bob Ryer. If you saw how this living room looked, you'd be appalled. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My actual name, in case you have forgotten it is not not Bobby Shortle, but in fact, Stephanie Cook, and I have taken over the podcast for this week. <laughs> <laughs> Suck it, Bobby. Oh, <laughs> we fired him. We fired our editor-in-chief. Yeah, he's done. he's done. It was a coup. It was an absolute coup. Uh, he's listening to this, and he's currently crying. Like, I regret my decision so much. He's on a lovely anniversary vacation and enjoying himself immensely, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. As long as he doesn't listen to what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, this that's a new week. There's new comics to talk about. All kinds of stuff. Um, Bob. Yes, ma'am. It's, it's still, like, a little ways away. But how are you feeling about Spectre? Are you excited about James Bond coming out? I wanted to see a new James Bond movie while I was still sitting in the theaters watching Skyfall. You Is, want can it the more. Next come out next week? Yeah, the 6th. Yeah, I wanted it instantly. I was very stoked for seeing Daniel Craig morph into somewhat of a more Connery-esque Bond, a little more sure of himself, a little more um, in, in the guise. And I'm really, the, the trailers look good. And Did you guys see the interviews he was doing? Um, no. He was doing all these like interviews for, you know, like press junkets and stuff. And people, and I'm not going to try and do the accent. I'll leave that for the next time Hugh's on. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they were like, uh, do you have any advice for the next Bond? He's like, I don't fucking know. What kind of advice do I have? I don't know. Play Bond or don't play Bond. That's my <laughs> advice. Like, And they're like, what do you think is like the most valuable thing you learned from Bond? And he's like, what do you mean most valuable thing? He's a fictional fucking character. Like, <laughs> like the interview is just so ridiculous. He drops 500 F-bombs in each of them. Um, and you can just tell that he's so done with yep. press junkets. Um, I think he's done with the character in general. Yeah. Yeah. He has nothing to do with Bond after this. Yeah, I imagine so. But, you know, like I can't believe that he would be so... Um, opposed to it, given all of like the critical acclaim that he got for the role after taking so much flack initially, right? Hmm. Sometimes it's like the movies are too physically taxing or even mentally taxing. Like to be Bond, to be a, a character that's that big, sometimes you're just not in the mood for it and you bite off more than you can chew when you yeah. sign on. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what it's like to be Bond. I would imagine that it's it's quite the pressure. Um, yeah, I can imagine. I mean, it's such a, you know, like, cult classic character. Not even cult classic, obviously. I mean, I mean mainstream. Um, 
He's a staple. Sure. Yes. And here's the thing. From the very beginning, Sean Connery just wanted out because he wanted to do other movies. He had other other career choices he wanted to make. And the Bond movies took so long to make, mm-hmm. they could never get a real part for, in, a, in a great movie. He could spot, he did Marnie for Hitchcock and a couple of other things, but it was very hard for him to find other work. Not because he was typecast, because he just wasn't time to do them. Yeah, it's not like nowadays. Yeah. With those teleporters and all that. Jet, <laughs> jet airplanes. Can yeah. You um, Poor Sean was flying around one of those uh, three-tailed constellations. <laughs> uh, I, I'm taking uh, I step back for a second uh, and mentioning that I'm sorry if the quality of this podcast is not as good as normal. Um, we fired Bobby, and I took on the duties of hosting and editing this week's show and um as opposed to when we're all in the studio look say for me um we are all on skype we you know got bob some electricity and um internet and got him on the internet to do this right steve uh, yes i'm kidding that's exactly I'm sorry. what happened <laughs> drag me kicking and screaming mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, he's this wasn't Bob's idea he's at all. definitely put his foot down as far as Twitter goes, um, but he'll continue stalking everyone's Twitter just silently without an actual account. Right? I I, I lost you there, guys. So <laughs> if you were making fun of me, I didn't hear it. Okay, Good. we weren't. Okay, we would never. Um, <laughs> I, I I'll just make fun of Bobby some more, but it's not as fun because he's not here to, you know, get kerfuffled. Yeah, it's not as fun. Um, it's it's more fun when he can respond, I think. But you know, anyways, I'm I'm going back to movies because I I also saw Crimson Peak this week. Ooh. Oh, what'd you think of it? I loved it. Um, <laughs> I I won't go into this too much, but <laughs> I was supposed to go with my roommate and some friends, and they all kind of like <laughs> bailed, and um, I had a date. <laughs> so instead of inviting my date on this. Uh, movie with me went for like a drink and um, I was like I have tickets to see a movie yeah I gotta go <laughs> and, wow. and um, there won't be a second date I'm thinking and then I went by myself because um, like everyone bailed on me so I was like mm. I paid extra to go see it in VIP so like big leather chairs and um, yeah. all that stuff but it wouldn't let me buy a ticket by myself <laughs> so like I had to buy this like this one lowly seat that's like in the back corner. It's like the spank bank chair. Um, I know. I was like, I'm not sitting there. <laughs> I went and commandeered some other seats that were not taken, but um, I, I'm scared of scary movies like with people, uh, let alone by myself in a big theater. Uh, so yeah, I was like really nervous that I was like going to scream or like jump and everyone's going to be like, Oh, that weird girl by herself. You know, like, she she don't know what's up. But there was definitely several drunk girls sitting at the back of the theater who were, like, screaming and being like, Aah! and all this stuff. And I was like, all right, well, at least I'm not as scared as them. Ooh. Thanks, car honking. <laughs> um, was yeah. the movie scary? Because I heard from several people that it was much more a, like, gothic romance film as opposed to a ghost story. No, I would say that it's a ghost story. Okay, did you read? You read through the woods, right, Steve? Yes. And did you, Bob? Yes, ma'am. And have you, either of you seen Crimson Peak yet? No. 
You I haven't, but I've seen a lot okay. of promotional materials. So you know the story in Emily Carroll's uh, Through the Woods. I'm just putting the author's name there for anyone who else out there who wants to know what we're talking about. But anyways, um, I, I think it's called, is it Cold Feet or Cold Hands? I think it was Cold Feet. Yeah, because yeah. it was about this story about this woman who gets engaged and goes and lives with um, this man in his, you know, um, mansion. I, was it a mansion? It was like a big castle kind of thing. Like, anyways, point being is... A manor. Yes, a manor. And um, uh, she starts to discover that there's something not quite right about the house and not quite right about her husband and that sort of thing. Um, the Guillermo del Toro um, has a very eerily similar story to Crimson Peak. Or to Through the Woods, the Cold Feet. Um, they were very, very similar. Like, as I was watching this, I was like, this feels like that Emily Carroll story. Uh, and that creeped the hell out of me. Uh, so, you know, if that's the sort of thing that gives you goosebumps, um, this will definitely give you goosebumps. And there's moments when I was definitely freaked out and it's straight up a ghost story. It's also a Gothic romance, but, um, you know, at its heart, it really is a ghost story. And they kind of directly touch on that. Um, Mia Wazowski's or Wazowska's character, um, is like a wannabe writer, um, I, don't, I guess not a wannabe writer. I'm always telling people that if you write things, you're a writer. So um, she's a writer wanting to be published. And um, she writes ghost stories. And back then, all they wanted was romance stories. So you get this mix of her, uh, what she wants for her life, um, mixed with this weird tragedy of like what everyone else wants for her life. And it kind of, that's, uh, it, it kind of sinks into, um, you know, the whole story. The story as a whole. Does that make mm. sense? Sounds interesting. Very interesting. Um, just, to, just to add, I actually, I looked it up, and it, the story is A Lady's Hands Are Cold. So we Thank were close. Thank you. Um, I was like, cold feet? Cold hands? Something? Yeah, you're um, in the ballpark. By the way, speaking of Emily Carroll, she posted two online, um, on, pff, online web comics. Um, web comics oh, recently yeah, uh, so if you liked Through the Woods and you want more of that there's two new stories up on her website nice. which I don't know the name of but you can find she's Emily Terrible um, on Twitter and she posted the links there that's where I saw them so. her name is actually going to come up a little bit later Ooh, so funny you should mention foreshadowing. her foreshadowing dun 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 uh, but yeah, so long story short Crimson Peak was really good I jumped several times. I didn't scream, though, even though I had had a couple drinks. Um, <laughs> uh, that actually probably calmed me, thankfully. Uh, but, yeah, really, really good. I recommend it for everyone. And it apparently wasn't as scary as the date that you had previous. <laughs> I have some date stories. I've been, like, a serial dater for the last two weeks. I'm not going to go into this, but, Steve, guess how many dates I've been on in two weeks. In what, in the past two weeks? In two weeks. <laughs> um, realistically, I'm going to say nine. That's pretty close. Wow. Eleven? Eight. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm going higher. Uh, <laughs> no, don't go higher. I only have <laughs> I so many know. days in the I don't week, know what Steve. kind of hours you keep. Um, so if anyone that I dated listens to this podcast, I'm so sorry. She tells us I haven't called you. There. 
with my telephone. Juicy, juicy stuff. I don't have reception in my basement. That's oh. my excuse, and I'm sticking to it. Uh, I saw Goosebumps. Oh no! In theaters, I did. I, I mean, I believe you. I just said, "Oh no!" It was good. Really? Yes, it was. It was good. It was. Um, I mean, that's my like childhood, if- and I feel like the presence of Jack Black really turns me off of that. No, he plays. He plays. I mean, he's still Jack Black, of course, but he plays a very much a character. Kind of not unlike Orson Welles, if if R.L. Stein was Orson Welles combined, but the the three main uh, the kids cast was actually they were really good and really funny, and they had uh, they had really awesome chemistry together. And if anybody grew up reading those books, everything that you read in those books is in the movie, which made it a lot of fun. Kind of like a like a cabin in the woods. Is type there a of mummy? Thing. Yes. Okay. Yep. <laughs> just checking. There's mummy. There's slappy. The ventriloquist dummy. There's no. a whole bunch of stuff. The scarecrow, uh, the giant mantis, all of that stuff. Okay. 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 It was good. I'm probably gonna wait until that comes uh, to VHS. VHS. <laughs> uh, I did. I did the press junket for it at NYCC, so oh, I was okay. excited to see to after like meeting everybody and stuff to go and see the movie, and I liked it. I'm, I brought I'm, my mom. I'm it's bringing fun. up like a lot of movies and Bobby's, you know, again, once again, rolling his eyes at me. But um, it's Halloween and I've been doing like my 31 days of horror, sort of. So, you know, it's it's I'm enjoying hearing about these movies that I haven't watched. I watched Psycho for the first time, guys. What did you think? Come on, Steph. Tell it me. so good. Yeah. And, um, in Toronto, they're doing the symphony, a live performance of Psycho at the symphony. And I'm really, really wanting to go. I think I might for Halloween. Um, but, like, surprisingly, a lot of it wasn't that spoiled for me. Um, I I still really enjoyed it. And there were still things that I just didn't know and didn't see coming. Oh, um, so, yeah, that somehow remained a mystery for, you know, what is it? How many years now? 40, 50, 60 years? 60. Yeah. So... Psycho. It's real good, guys. I don't know if you've heard of it, but if you haven't seen it, check it out. I saw that for the first time in its first theatrical re-release. I was 13. It was 1969. (laughs) And my parents... It it was the big thing in the paper. Psycho! Once again in theaters. Can we go see that? Yeah, I read all the famous Monsters magazines. and Sure. It was the uh, theater by a shopping mall. Mm-hmm. They dropped me at the theater and went shopping. We've seen it. You go see it. Oh my god! And they just left you on your own. Just left me in the theater. Look, I was into horror movies, so I wasn't scared. But it was a complete surprise. I knew who Janet Lee was, and spoiler alert for this movie: she's the star, except maybe not for all of the movie. Yeah, uh, and it's a, it's a complete shock when it happens. Yeah, and for instance, <clears throat> sorry, that was something uh, that I didn't know. Um, because, like, I feel in a lot of um, the talk about the movie, oh, you can hear a meth head outside. Ooh, <laughs> Ooh he's angry. He's an angry meth head. Um, this is a fun, you know, change from the shenanigans of Kaylee. Uh, anyways, um, I didn't know that portion, what you're referring to, Bob. I did, like, I, I thought that that person was the lead for for instance, the entire movie. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So, anyways, I don't want to spoil it for someone who magically somehow hasn't seen this. I'm pretty sure it's just me. Um, but yeah. So, what other classic horror movie haven't you seen? Moving into this, oh, okay. I can point so you towards. I have this week. Uh, my roommate like loves horror. Like she loves it. So, um, she's been replacing a lot of her DVDs with Blu-rays and picking up horror stuff. So she just like got like the Friday's the 13th box set um, and like the Halloween box set. And I've only seen the new Halloween's, which I know is a travesty. Right. Um, See the original. You'll love it. I, I watched, um, I watched, I don't, this is like, this goes into, um, the horror ish category, but I watched swamp thing. You guys. Yeah, that counts. Um, which was amazing. Amazingly bad. I loved it. Um, I watched pumpkin head. I love nice. that movie. Be Lance Henriksen. Yeah. Stan Winston Monsters. Gotta love it. Yeah. I watched, um, it's not a Guillermo del Toro movie per se, but he produced it, but I watched Don't Be Afraid of the Dark mm-hmm. and Sinister. And I watched Prom Night, the original. With Jamie Lee and Leslie Nielsen. Yeah. 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 And then um, I watched Ginger Snaps, which just came out on oh, Blu-ray. Love Ginger Snaps. So good. And then I've only watched a couple other ones. I've really not done a great job this year on keeping up with um, my 31 Days of Horror. But The Shining is something I'm going to do this week. Just watch that. I have one for you since you saw Ginger Snaps. If you want to see a really fun werewolf movie that people don't know enough about, it's The Howling by Joe Duncan. came out the same year as American Werewolf in London, and it's the flip side of it. American Werewolf is a comedy with horror. Howling is... Horror with comedy. It's his usual set of people. Dee Wallace, E.T.'s mom, is your lead character. Robert Picardo is in it. whole bunch of folks. Great effects by Rob Bettine, who had done the thing for John Carpenter or Wood the next year. Tremendous transformations. Really scary. Lots of in-jokes if you're looking for them. Great, great fun film. All right. All right. I will. Um, I, I'll keep you up to date with the ones that... Uh, I wind up watching from here until the end of October. Nice. Um, but yeah, do you guys do you guys want to talk about some comics? Maybe, possibly. Sure. Where are we? It's starting? your show. I know. I know. I mean, just I, was, I was asking because I want it to be, um, you know, a peaceful and pleasant ruler. Um, <laughs> but not, not Emperor Doom. Had you said no, I would have said, "Well, too bad. It's my show." <laughs> <laughs> Um, but that's spoiling, uh, you know, my, uh, facade. Yes. So. Your strong um, reputation for mm-hmm, goodness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm a kind, uh, benevolent, benevolent. Dictator. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Um, so we, we are going to talk about some comics. Hell yeah. We're going to do it. We're going to do it right now. We're going to do lightning round. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to do it. Bobby Shortle right. style, but like. Not Bobby Shortle style because he's fired. <laughs> uh, I don't want to make Steve follow Bob, so I'm going to make Steve go first. Steve. I always go first. This okay, is, well, do you want me to new. go first? No, well, whatever. Okay, good. Whatever, whatever. Don't complain, man. Hey, now. <laughs> do you want Bob? Do you want to follow Bob? <coughs> Nobody wants to follow exactly, Bob. Exactly. So Bob stop goes, it's all it's all downhill from. <laughs> Um, oh right. uh, yeah, I could talk about my stuff real quick. You want me? You got a timer? Or oh, I, I got do. One? Oh, I do. I've got. Oh, a you timer. do. I've got Uh-oh. one. I've got it ready. Oh boy! Uh, give me two. Se- okay, I'm good. 
No, that's two seconds out of your three minutes. No, I'm kidding. No, no. You have to to say and go. I don't have to do anything. I'm not Bobby. Oh, my God. (laughs) All right. Ready? Bobby had hair. Are you you ready? Yes. Go. Okay, so uh, based on the recommendation of uh, Bobby and several of our listeners, I went back to the store and I got Sam Wilson, Captain America, number one from Nick Spencer and Daniel Acuna. I really enjoyed it. Uh, There isn't much more I can say. Uh, Bobby pretty much covered everything. But for those of you that were tweeting me, asking me to read it and you're listening to the show, I read it. I liked it a lot. I'm going to put it on my pull list. Uh, I thought it was very poignant given a lot of the things that are going on today. And while some might have been complaining that it's perhaps harsh and and too close to life, I'm of the opinion that we kind of need more of this stuff that calls that stuff out. And if it makes you uncomfortable, maybe the problem isn't the book, but that it makes you uncomfortable. Think about that. Uh, The other book I read that was awesome was The Astonishing Ant-Man, number one, from Nick Spencer, uh, returning to the, uh, the series Artists, writers are the same and the same tone. Um, Scott Lang is now heading up a security um, company with his, you know, misfit friends, his D-list friends. And uh, they're off to a great start until dot, dot, dot. You read Ant-Man number one and everything goes wrong. It's awesome. Um, The the book continues to have that same humor that uh, Superior Foes of Spider-Man and Ant-Man had. And uh, it's just really cool to see that some of the books after the whole Secret Wars thing have not gone away. Uh, Really quick, I read Gabriel Hardman's Kinski, which was a black and white uh, graphic novel that I picked up at NYCC. This book was strange. It was really good, but it was weird. It's about this dude who's away on a work trip and he's with like his work friends and whatever. And he finds a dog in the middle of the street and something inside of him kind of snaps. He's a really weird person. And they're like, whose dog is this? And he just goes, this is my dog. This is mine. And he like cares not if it belongs to someone. And basically the book follows him for like the next few days of him wrestling with, with the, the reality of taking this dog away from its home. And you find out it belongs to – it's a whole thing. It was really interesting. It was a really uh, interesting character book. The main character, Joe – is just bizarre, and I really didn't know what to do with him uh, while reading the book. I left the book feeling very um, off, but in a good way, in a like, maybe I need to read this again and investigate kind of way. Steph, how much time do I have left? Not enough. I'm kidding, <laughs> 24, 20 seconds, go. Oh, no, screw it. I'll, uh, I'll leave this book for another week then, because it's too good to fit into 24 seconds worth of time. That's hmm. smart. Yeah, no, it's um, so it's an met, awesome. Let's book. let's so. talk about Gabriel Hardman because I brought him up like previously too when I yeah. mentioned that he did my Laura print. Isn't he amazing? He's great. Um, I met him at NYCC. Uh, that's where I I picked I, up this. Saying, oh God, I forgot to shut off the timer. <laughs> <laughs> I picked up Kinski. I picked up Heathen Town. Um, I absolutely love the his, first volume. But um, Karina, his wife's book. Beckos. Yeah. Yes. Um and blah blah blah. Uh Invisible Republic, which I, I read the first volume of and loved. Uh yeah, Kinski, like I said, it it was really bizarre. It's short, so I'm trying not to spoil too much about it, but it's just it's a it's basically focusing down on this very unhinged person who for some reason or another wants this dog 
and will pretty much give up several things in his life to keep it. And and learning the why is kind of the journey of the book. And um, I just it was really weird, but like a good weird. Hmm. So I don't know. It's one of those like exercises in comic book characters and not really giving a whole lot of like who they are as people. You only get this one snapshot of them being in this in this situation with this dog. And, and I never really I never really grew to like him. But I found him fascinating at the same time. So it was a very bizarre read for me, and I figured I would bring it up on the show. Interesting. Because I, why not? I also picked up Sam Wilson, Captain America. And? And really enjoyed it. Just as Bobby said, loved the use of the Sons of the Serpent who go way back into the 60s in Marvel. So that was really cool. I had one little thing. It's like, you know, Steve never talked about his politics. Steve ran for president once, kind of. Mm-hmm. Quit being Captain America a couple of times. The the later editions of Steve seem to have backed away a little politically, but in terms of what the story was, the, the usage of the current political situation and how it works, don't want to give too much away either still. I, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I'm definitely picking up issue number two. Yes, I me too. definitely got confused there for a second because I, I, I muted the mic so that I could type down our lightning round for the post, mm-hmm. and then I... I didn't. I was listening, sort of like subconsciously, but then I was like, "Steve ran for president." What? Yes. And then I was like, he's "Really?" On the ballot here in the states. I was it's like, just "Next week, what right?" What happened? Yep. In the like problem is he's 30 not. Thirty seconds that I. Steve's not old enough to be president in this country, but it's a good trial <laughs> balloon for next time. Um, <laughs> have you seen our new dreamy president equivalent? Yes. Son of the guy I remember being your yeah, Pierre Trudeau. Yep. Um, Justin Thoreau. Yeah. Oh. He, Justin Bieber is president of Canada. Yeah. He's oh um God, no. he's a real hunk. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um a hunk a hunk of burn in love, as my mom would say. <laughs> and a, I, I've had a glass a of wine, like a big glass of wine. Good for you. Too. He's also a very good swing to the left after years of the other side. Oh God, Harper. But we won't go we won't go into politics. Um I don't want to offend anyone. I heard that he's he's instituted a lot of really cool things just within the first four days of him being in his, like, prime minister position. Well, he's, like, the prime minister-elect or whatever right now, like, because he's not sworn in yet, but, yeah. He's talking good stuff. He is. It's good. Um, And he's dreaming, apparently. Who'd he beat? Harper? He beat a lot. I mean, we, Yeah. They have okay. more parties than we do. We stage. have a lot of parties, like we have. I, oh man, I saw so many ads against Harper and 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 comedians that have late shows and everything mm. railing against him. It was pretty funny. Dumb, dumb. Um, but anyways, John Oliver, that was it. I, I'm I'm really tempted to be like, hey Bob, do you want to go next? But then I'm also like, oh my god, Bob going next. I don't want to follow that. Um, but oh, at the huh? same, no, you're just like the king. You're the king of lightning round, um. But yeah, let let's let Bob go next because I just looked at your list and it doesn't seem that daunting. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm gonna put up three minutes. Put them up. Are you ready, Bob? Yep. Okay. Go. Black Canary number five is mostly a tie up the loose plot threads issue. There's a lot of forward momentum building as there's a battle of the bands brewing with Black Canary's former lead singer, the now-enhanced Bo Maeve, on the bill and out for revenge. Da, da, da. 
very nicely done book that sets the stage for what seems to be a huge finale next issue. At the other end of the storytelling spectrum is Secret Six Number 7 by Gail Simone and Dale Eaglesham, which kicks off a new arc that connects the magical side of the DCU with the Secret Six and their concerns with the White Gate and the malevolent beings that live beyond it, always threatening to break through into our world. Their mystic powers are being drained away, and it seems as if Secret Six member Black Alice has something to do with that. Some twists, some nice guest star turns, not to mention some mini-golf, which, come on, that's always good, makes this an issue that really cemented this as something that's going to be one of my favorites in DC moving forward. Uh, speaking of DC, all DC issues this time, in number 11, the Gotham Academy gang ventures into the big city on a mission to garner more information regarding Olive's mom, Sybil, who might yet be alive. A lot of mystery this time around. Olive and Matt's team up to look through Old City Hall files, where they encounter one of Gotham's cape defenders, who fills them in on a lot of Silverlock family history, and boy, is there a lot of it. Even more than Black Canary 5, this issue is a fabulous setup to the coming conclusion of this sort of first season. A lot of plot threads pulled together. The olive map stuff here, the interaction, the dynamic, I don't know if it's ever been better. This book, I mean, 11 issues in is just stellar issue to issue. You can read it in lumps, together, apart. Read Gotham Academy. All you people who aren't, if you haven't listened to us by now, you should be reading Gotham Academy. I'm out of here. Whoa. Mic drop. I, I legit actually thought you, like, tapped the mic to do a mic drop. No. I was like, Just hit the table with my drink. October has brought sassy gangster Bob to, like, the table. <laughs> like. Homie, don't the, play that, we're saying? Homie, don't play that. Oh, boy. <laughs> sorry about that guys it's sorry why are we sorry (laughs) never apologize for being bob i bet damon waynes is probably a little sorry about that 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 i said it so many years later with such little sass no that he that he had to say it at all he's a a weird dude living living color was quite the show yes I was just looking at my list and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. Like, I haven't read anything. That's not true. I read a lot. And like, I don't know if I'm going to have enough time. That's great. I know. I'm, well, I mean, and now I'm like, what's actually going to be my book of the week? Because I'm torn up inside. Ah, I forgot to drop the timer. Again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I don't like this fun. game. Um, I'm not good at this game. Okay. Um, I- I'm really torn up inside. Okay. You know what? I'm going to leave... This other thing is my book of the week because it's mm. relevant to stuff that we will talk about. By the way, speaking of relevant to things that we're going to talk about, I'm taking a quick um, sideline because it's my freaking show right now. Um, did you guys have a chance to watch the Supergirl premiere? Yes. Bob? Bob. I lost you. Lost you. Oh, that's okay. Are you? Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Did you have a chance to watch the Supergirl premiere? Yes, I absolutely loved it. Yeah. All the things that they were, I was sort of afraid of from seeing the trailers that it seemed too rom-com chick flick. Remember that, that parody trail mm-hmm. they made for the Black Widow mm-hmm. thing for Saturday Night Live? I was yep. I was afraid of that. But it was everything I wanted to be and more. She is super heroic, certainly, but a great human character as well. The interactions with her boss and Jimmy, her sister, the world around her that ties into Superman and that history 
Absolutely loved it. Special effects for a television show were pretty pretty darn good too. And I loved like her genuine childlike wonder. Yeah. And it didn't seem hokey in any way because it seemed like Melissa uh, Benoit was genuinely enchanted with playing this, being mm-hmm. in this role. Like, I don't think that they could have found a better person. She embodies everything that I think Supergirl should. Yeah, was, she had a joy to her that was just beautiful to watch. So much charm, so great. I loved it. Um, Steve, what about you? What did you think? I really enjoyed it. I um, had the pleasure of going to a friend's house several months ago when the pilot had leaked and saw that then. So to see it now, like all cleaned up and the, the effects kind of redone and stuff like that, it was actually quite impressive. Like Bob was saying, the effects are really decent. I think the show shows a lot of promise. Uh, Melissa as Supergirl was just positively adorable and charming. I like the show's energy in terms of its hero actually being excited about their future and the the future of their powers. And um, from what I've read online, it looks like it's going to have a couple of really cool villains Mm -hmm. uh, and stuff popping up throughout the season. They released a full uh, season trailer today. Ooh, oh, did they? Mm-hmm. Watch for that. Because oh, the I didn't first, see that. Um, the first trailer was initially, I believe, just like um, for the first three episodes, and I don't think they were sure if they were going to order more. Um, but um, I don't know if you guys read this today, but Supergirl premiere, uh, the Supergirl premiere ratings were the best for any new show this fall. Yeah, I saw mm-hmm. that. Which makes my heart so happy. Um. You know, Hollywood keeps telling us over and over again that female-led things don't make money. They don't have the ratings. And, you know, things like Hunger Games and Supergirl and all these other things are proving them wrong. And I just think that's – we live in a really incredible time where um, good TV and good characters are being rewarded with the audiences. Mm-hmm. They always will bring up how – well, we tried that. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Electra and Catwoman stunk. There were terrible movies at every level. We can't base our perception on what people will or won't pay to see on those. Instead, as you say, Hunger Games, which made how many billions of dollars by now in I terms know. of books and movies? Stop. Audience is there. Audience is growing for this material. I, I really thought for a second you were going to say, bitch, please. No. <laughs> no. I'll save that word for later when we talk about January solicitations. Uh-oh. Oh, that what we're doing? I knew that. <laughs> I'm such a terrible It's okay, Steph. I forgot about that, too. Um, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to pretend that I know what I'm talking about, and I'm going to do my lightning round once I open up my phone. I recently got the, the touch like not the touch screen everyone has touch screens but like um the thumbprint thing and it half the time recognizes my thumbprint and half the time doesn't and i'm like damn it <laughs> um anyways so i'm going to put three minutes up on this clock of mine and then run back to my notes and use those okay i'm ready i'm set i'm going <laughs> i'm so weird all right so believe Steve talked about this last week, but um, I read I Hate Fairyland, number one. I don't mm-hmm. know how I feel about it. Um, I half really enjoyed it, half kind of didn't. Um, I, I'm sure Bob, or not Bob, sorry, Steve is rolling his eyes, I mean. Um, but I, I really enjoyed the art. You know, I've complained that I think um, Scotty Young can do so much better than those 
baby covers. And um, this is definitely, you know, proving just that. He is capable of such amazing things. And I want to see more things like this from I Hate Fairyland, whether I kind of thought the first issue was meh or not. Um, I read The Shield, number one, which is Dark Circle Comics. Um, there's a lot of dark something comics. Anyways, uh, this one kind of felt like Assassin's Creed, you know, um, revolution, uh, but with a lady as the lead. And they do this, like, flash forward to the future um, with this character where she, um, the character, a.k.a. The Shield, um, she awakens in our times and some stuff has gone down and she has to, you know, sort that out. Um, it had a touch of the, you know, rah, rah, rah America that I wasn't like super into. Um, but the story, mostly the Assassin's Creed with a lady angle kind of got me interested. And I think I'm not going to carry on with, um, this series month to month, but I definitely want to check it out, uh, in trade form. So, yeah. Uh, what else? Um, nope, we're talking about that later. <laughs> the <laughs> New Deal um, by Jonathan Case. So, um, Jonathan Case did uh, blah, 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 a true crime book, The Green Green River Killer, Green Green Something Killer, Green Killer. Anyways, um, he did a really cool book. Anyways, The New Deal <laughs> is <laughs> this story about um, Depression-era New York and um, a couple of people that are working in... Um, a hotel at the time and some of the people that uh, move in and out of the hotel you know there's various residents that stay there for more than just one night and they're rich and you know the hotel throws all their moolah at them and they want them to be comfortable and happy and in turn have them throw more moolah at them um, so this is sort of a heist fun kind of Catwoman-esque heist story where um, some stuff goes missing uh, some employees are, you know, the suspects, but are they really the ones that are guilty? Who knows? You'll have to read it and find out. <laughs> uh, if you like Bandette, you'll like this. Uh, ah! I didn't even talk about anything! Damn it! I didn't get to anything! Hey, Bob. Bob. Yes, sir. Is there a is there a website that you specifically went to to get all of the January solicitations, or did you just uh, look at the Marvel ones? Hey, you oh. off air. We'll talk about that later. Yes. <laughs> all right. CBR. Shh. Thanks. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, yeah. At least we got to heard the alarm. That was good, Steph. Thank you. Yeah. Keep um, going. Finish your book. Finish your finish your next one. Oh, it's okay. And um, I just wanted to say the Spider Gwen was real good too. The first one. So. Yeah. I wanted more. I want so much for Spider Gwen to be awesome every issue. But like, I feel like this was the issue that we were missing in the last like oh, volume. I, yes, absolutely agreed. You get some more of the what happened bef- to get to like, where we. Yes. I kind of feel like this should have been the original number one. Mm-hmm. Um, like we kicked off with the stupid stuff with the vulture, um, which is. Coincidentally, now all I think of when I hear the vulture is Brooklyn Nine Nine. Um, you know, you'll know what I'm talking about if you watch that show. Anyways, and <laughs> um, and this was the stuff that I've been waiting for, kind of getting into um the real story, and 
yeah, I thought it was super good. And um, I hope this is the quality that we can expect henceforth from the, the creators and the series. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's that's it. That's it. That's it. Um, Steve, if you yeah. want, you can send me a link. But um, otherwise, I haven't found it yet. I will find it then, because I'm the host. Damn it, the host. Host it up. Um, I it's will be responsible. It's in the email. It's but in, in the, the in the meantime, you know what you will do, Steve? Do you? Well, I, do I? I, I think your I do. Book of the week. Oh yeah. All right, do it. Go. You don't have a time limit. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> FYI. All right, my my book of the week keeps on switching because I didn't get to talk about something uh, in my lightning round, and I can't decide. Do I go with the Emily Carroll-esque one, or do I go with the other one where I can make a funny voice? uh, Bob, you decide. Emily Carroll-esque one because it's almost Halloween. I didn't hear you, so go ahead. Excellent. All right. (laughs) So start again. So here's the deal. Um, As you know, because we've mentioned it like ad nauseum, Went to New York City Comic Con a few weeks back. And one of the things that I personally like to do at cons, um, more so than a lot of other things, is I love going to Artist Alley and finding artists and creators and and people that I don't know and looking at their stuff and just basically trying to find something that I would never find elsewhere. Like I can't find it on, on store shelves and stuff like that. And one of the... Very lovely people that I ran into that weekend uh, was Eliza Fry, and she is a comic book artist and creator. Uh, She graduated from UCLA, and she has an amazing, amazing book uh, called Regalia that I picked up from her. Um, To try and describe it is a a little difficult. It's pretty much um, almost like an anthology series that in some respects some of the stories connect others do not but it's about five or six separate uh narratives about um my estimation of it anyway is it's just it's about perhaps about her and her growing up and and about women in general and kind of these little snippets and little stories of these different women and kind of the hardships that they're going through in their in their lives whether it be men or circumstance or or money or just the world bogging down on them um but one of the most important things to mention about this book the the narrative and like all of the writing is very beautiful it's very poetic um but one of the things actually the thing that really draws me to the book is the artwork the artwork is absolutely spectacular it reminds me kind of like again emily carroll uh through the woods mixed with a kind of um gory meets like fashion design kind of things maybe like early disney types of like early early disney Mm -hmm. of of like the um trying to think of the best way to describe this that you would see these these ads or these paintings of like aristocrats inside of old, uh, like the Algonquin and stuff like that. Monocles and top hats and just, you know, thick black line work and, and, and big cheeks and just very, very stylistic. 
and just positively gorgeous. And the book itself is extraordinarily haunting and has this kind of like unsettling sensuality to it that I just positively loved. Um, Steph, I think you in particular would really, really get a kick out of this book. Um, like I said, the writing is is great, but the art in and of itself is worth seeking this out and picking it up. I think you would really, really enjoy it. Okay. Um, it's very, very heartfelt. It's very frightening at times. It's a little sad. And uh, it's kind of a, a mixed bag. Like there's this one story in the book of um, I, I, a character. I'm going to say it's a character because I don't know for sure that it's actually Eliza. I don't want to make assumptions. But um, a woman meets with her father for uh, – I guess lunch for, for what's presumably going to be the last time. And uh, she makes a point of mentioning the years that they were born and the signs like her father was born the year of the snake. Um, and she was born the, the year of the tiger. And you basically sit down to lunch with them and they have this like semi intense conversation and kind of this air of doom about it as they're talking and all of their words and the way that they're interacting with one another is expressed through kind of a snake and a white tiger uh, meeting in the woods and scrapping and fighting and biting and clawing and just has this really kind of surreal dreamlike uh, presentation and, and, and bizarre outcome to it. And um, I read like another fantastic book. I'll probably save it for next week. But Regalia kind of blew me away. I didn't know what to expect when I picked it up. I just thought it was beautiful and decided to to purchase it. And Eliza was also very, very nice, um, very warm and, and really excited about her work. And, um, yeah, I just wanted to say that I really, really enjoyed it. And it, it wound up making the top of the list of my favorite things that I read this week. So uh, for those listening, uh, it is called Regalia. And you can go to Eliza Fry. That's E-L-I-Z-A. Uh, com, and I'm sure that there'll be some information on there as to where you can purchase it. If you're into books where the art tells the story, this is definitely something that you, you want to look out for. And first printing in December of 2011 from Sheridan Books, Ann Arbor, I'm assuming Michigan. Could be Missouri. I don't know. Probably. Um, I'm terrible with maps and <laughs> locations and, and shorthand stuff. But yeah, uh, Regalia. It's it's absolutely stunning. All right. Sounds the good. end. Nice. Very <laughs> nice. Or is it? Yeah, I think you would really, really love it, Steph. It's, it's got you written all over it. I'm Google-fooing it right now. Where'd... You should. Regalia. Regalia. The Regalia. art is very like that that like stark, stark colors and you know, like really bright yellows against white red lipstick kind of things. There's this one story of a girl who's posing uh as Medusa and her hair are like are snakes and they're kind of weaving from page to page and she disappears and kind of going around town asking different people about who she was and you find out that she's just as like these are not spoilers, by the way. Just like a mysterious woman that you never like, who's watching you, and you never know whose whose heart you might touch in your everyday life. And there are people that care about you, even when it seems like there there isn't anyone. That kind of thing. A bunch of different stories. 
very cool. Something in there, I think, that everybody uh, can enjoy. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of different points of view. You can you have something for every moment. You're, you're thinking a little differently. Yeah. You go down different avenues. Lovely. Well, you know what it was like. I like I said at the beginning. Like I, I purposefully go around New York City Comic Con to find stuff that is you know out of out of the realm or isn't easy to get a handle. And that's exactly what I got when I purchased this book and I read it today. And was just like, yep, this is this is podcast talk material. Yeah. And um, like I said, I'll talk about the other book maybe next week, which was really friggin' great. But well, you don't get two books, so don't. No, I wanted no, I wanted to get the spotlight to, <laughs> okay, uh, to Regalia for this week. <laughs> it was more than worthy. Good. Yes. All right. I'll shut so, up. So Regalia by Eliza Fry. Um, I just looked it up. It was nominated for an Eisner. Oh. It was on Kickstarter. Yes. All kinds of cool stuff. All right. Bob. Okay. I'm going to, I know it'll be stunning that I do this. I'm going to talk about a Secret Wars tie-in. Oh, my God. Who are you? What? Get out. No. Whose I know. Whose podcast is this now? Well, it's, it's gone Fine, off the rails, so let's go for it. So it's Secret Wars, Agents of Atlas number one. It's a one-shot. And it's Tom Taylor and Steve Pugh. Ooh. And I have a lovely painted variant cover by Raza. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Raza. He's the winner of the contest. He drew me. Okay, so I don't know how, you know, anyone, how frequent anyone looks at my Twitter. But sometimes before bed, I tweet uh, to the to the sleep mobile, Batman. And Raza, for my birthday... Um, he was like, you should have a, a one of, like a mobile that's over your bed that's all the bat cars. Aww. And I was like, I want that in my life. And he drew it for me for my birthday. What? what? Yeah. 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 He's good no. people. Very talented. He did Bitch Planet variants too. Uh, this is a lovely, lovely cover. So I, I had a choice and I picked this one. So it didn't work out nicely for the show. It's, mm-hmm. He's a delight. A delight. There you go. Right, so yeah. is this book. How about that for you, a second? Hey. Yes. Well, just just to clue people in, in case no one knows the concept of this, Atlas was what Marvel was between when they were timely in the 40s and Marvel in the 60s. That was their company name. And so uh, this this the whole... Agents of Atlas concept comes from a what-if book from the 1978 where what if the Avengers had fought evil during the 50s? And at that point, it was a whole bunch of real 50s characters assembled into their own little super team. And then at that point, it was to save President Eisenhower from being kidnapped. There was S.H.I.E.L.D. agent Jimmy Woo, who I first saw in a S.H.I.E.L.D. book in the 60s when they were fighting the evil Yellow Claw back then, who was sort of the Fu Manchu of the book. Jeff Parker did a whole bunch of Agents of Atlas stories from 2006 to 2010. They fought the Avengers, the X-Men. They had lots of tie-ins with Thunderbolts and the Hulk. Just really great bunch of 50 super beings. It's Namora, Venus, Marvel Boy, Gorilla Man, and the dangerous robot M11, all combined into a super team. Now, here, they're all back together on this one little corner of Battle World, Battle Zone, whatever the heck you call it. And it's called Metropolita, which is under the control of Baron Zemo. And the gorilla man, who once was a human being named Ken Hale, who it's a gorilla curse. 
it's the 50s. What can I tell you? He's going to visit Phil Coulson to try to figure out how they can get Jimmy Wu back because he's been kidnapped by the evil Baron Zemo. So they put the team back together. I don't want to spoil anything here. They mount a raid. And, and Tom Taylor, look, he tells just a great story here. Lots of action. Gets these characters really well. Some nice nods to 50s deep Marvel history as well as the regular Agents of Atlas continuum that uh, Jeff Parker had done such a great, great job with. And Steve Pugh, who did The Invaders with James Robinson, is really able to channel that era, and it's a classic and new style at once. So just just a lot of fun revisiting these characters. You don't really need to know much if you want to pick it up as the one shot that it is. And there's a nice enough open ending that hopefully, if people respond to this well, we might see these characters again in the new Marvel Universe. So... Uh, that was Agents of Atlas, The Secret Wars, one shot, number one and only. All right. Nice. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a lot of these one shots have been pretty good. Yes, much better than some of the continuing ones that I've found so far. <laughs> There's Very the cool. curmudgeon. There you go. Aww. <laughs> um, all right. So that's Secret Wars, Agents of Atlas. Um. Which leaves me. Yeah. Me. <laughs> um, My lair. <laughs> I know, right? Frickin' um, laser beams. At least once a week. Beams. At least once a week it gets in my head. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sorry. I'm just going <laughs> to cackle weirdly. Um, so... My book of the week ties into something that we will briefly discuss uh, before our shared book of the week. Um... But it is Alias, Volume 1, by Brian Michael Bendis and Michael Gatos. Um, so, for any of you who are unfamiliar with this uh, in any way, shape, or form, as I was, um, this book came out in 2003. And this is a Jessica Jones story. Um, I honestly thought that for a very long time this tied into the Alias TV series and I was like mm, no thanks I haven't seen that um, not that I have anything against that show just that I hadn't seen it so I didn't want to buy a comic related to it um, anyways so as it turns out it's not and it's all about Jessica Jones and so a one time costumed heroine turned into a private investigator um, so the synopsis of this is basically after realizing that her powers were unremarkable compared to those um of the icons in the Marvel universe, Jones gives up being a superhero and eventually opens up a detective agency. Um, her intent is to help others. Um, but her personal behavior is anything but valiant. Um, she's bitter, resentful and self-destructive, which you see a lot of in the full Netflix trailer that got released for the Jessica Jones show, which again, we'll talk about shortly. Um, but, uh, she just kind of, instead of carrying on with the Avengers and carrying on with her life as um, a superhero, she is a PI and uses her powers to help people and or get herself into more trouble. Um, so after reading this and after watching the Jessica Jones trailer, um, it came real apparent to me that um, the first season of the show seems to be using this particular volume as a guideline um, for the series coming up in November. Uh, Jessica Jones 
is an awesome character. She, um, she has like super strength, uh, from what I can grasp. Um, she doesn't have super hearing though, as she points out. Um, and she can fly, but kind of not really. She can't quite stick the landings, so she prefers not to. Um, so you can only, you know, imagine what that entails. I thought this book was really solid, though. Um, the writing, I, I, I'm hit or miss on Brian Michael Bendis. Like, I really like some of his stuff, and I really don't like some of his stuff. Um, I feel like he starts too many projects that he can't finish, as well as uh, poor Brilliant can attest to. Does anyone remember Brilliant? Oh, my God. Um. Anyways, but with wow, that being said, yeah. yeah, I know, like, six years later, not, I'm just kidding, like, four years later, though, it has, like, three issues out. Um, but anyways, so I, I thought that the story was incredibly solid and, uh, Brian Michael Bendis did a really good job of, um, you know, relaying the story of this character, uh, and her many, many flaws in a way that didn't feel, um, like he was putting this character down. He just kind of was, you know, showing the story of somebody who was really just, um, a bit like, for me, it seemed a bit like Constantine, but a lady and not quite so supernatural. Um, this is also like kind of mixed with a film noir-esque kind of feel in the sense that um, she goes to find this dame. This dame walks into her office and, uh, you know, she just gives her a look and uh, hires her for this job and uh, to find her missing sister and... The job of the missing sister, uh, it, it turns bad. It turns real bad, guys. Uh, somebody's setting her up for something that's no good, and it involves this girl and her missing sister. <laughs> Very Dane Andrews-esque. Thank you. There you go. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm rambling, but that's, you know, sort of my bag. Uh, it was really good. Have either of you read this? No. <laughs> Uh, I I was hit and miss with it at the time. I picked up issues here and there, and I wasn't expecting the I think the graphic nature of some of it as we move on. Mm-hmm. And so that was a little off putting. I am certainly now that they're reprinting them, I do want to go back and revisit it, knowing ahead what I might see. Yeah, um, I I had got the alias. Uh, first volume and then I went home and I watched the trailer for Jessica Jones and I was kind of um, reading the book and I was like oh this feels very much like the show like I think if you want to um, you don't need any background on Jessica Jones to get into this I have no previous knowledge of her whatsoever um, and I picked this up and was able to get a really good sense of her and um, it's definitely a great gateway comic i think to the tv show if you want to read something before that airs mm-hmm. um I, again i definitely got um a lot of vibes that they're using this as a guideline um you know for what's to come so it's definitely worth checking out again um the art there was moments when it was a bit like i didn't love it um it felt a bit like i don't know just something about it i didn't love but uh, overall, I thought it was good, and the story made up for anything else that I kind of felt was off-putting. Uh, yeah. So, I 
I, I'm guessing you guys know that I want to briefly talk about the Jessica Jones trailer. Did you guys catch it? Yes. Yes. And Bob, any, would you like any to thoughts? go? I I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Lovely use of the Purple Man, who has a great set of mind control powers, but it was always sort of a, just a weird, a terrible name by Stan at the time. But Kilgrave, as we just leave him at that, it is literally in Jessica's head. And you can see her struggling. You see her overcoming. Great look at a conflicted character. The use of Luke Cage is, is really neat in the trailer. You can see where that relationship will go. Nice use of powers, nice use of the city and the darkness and all the rest of it. Certainly set in Daredevil's world, but a slightly different corner. Yeah, really dug it. Absolutely. What about you, Steve? Uh, I am pumped, actually. I was trying my best to stay away from the trailer because I had seen, like, the little snippet of her uh, busting up her alarm clock. And that kind of, just that alone sold me. I was like, all right, I can I can see myself watching this. But, um... I think it looks good. Like after my friend uh, Lauren came back from seeing the first episode, she had a, a lot to say about it. And it's just a lot of it is intriguing me. I can't wait to see David Tennant uh, as the purple man. I heard that he's super sinister. And I'm really curious to see how Marvel kind of handles um, more adult situations, uh, including like full on nudity and, and sexual situations, which I know that this show is going to have. And they've, I, as to my knowledge, have never stepped into that arena before. So it will be interesting to see them kind of draw the line in the sand between their cinematic universe and theaters versus their kind of grittier, darker, and more adult, uh, like Max Marvel-themed stuff on Netflix. Uh, I think it's awesome that they, they're even bothering to go in that direction with these properties and if it's going to add to that universe and build towards the Defenders or whatever they decide to do, uh, I can't wait to check it out. I don't know that I'll binge watch it like I did Daredevil because I feel like that almost killed me. But uh, I am definitely, definitely excited to watch as much as I can the day that it comes out. And um, I loved the uh, Monsters and Men song that they used yes. in there, too. Um, I, I thought it was them, and I tweeted. I asked somebody to tell me what it was. And uh, Justin Snyder said thousand eyes of monsters and men for anyone else who wants to check that out but i thought it was a great use of that trailer too it went along perfectly mm -hmm. um, i think you guys pretty much covered everything that i have to say about it but Kristen ritter i mean i loved her in don't trust the bee in apartment 23 i love that title it's so that show is so funny i thought it was going to be awful and it was just the best um but she was amazing in that and um i mean a lot of people obviously know her from Breaking Bad. Um, it was... She, she was great. I was really pleasantly surprised. Um, mm. She she took a very dark turn in this, obviously. Um, Jessica Jones has a lot of demons. Um, again, not like the Constantine kind of demons. <laughs> like yeah. personal, personal demons. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought it looked solid. Um, definitely like in the same tone as Daredevil, though, I think. Um, it... it it's the Christopher Nolan era of Marvel stuff. You know, like, everything needs to be gritty and dark. Mm. But yes. dark done well can yes. be good. Yeah, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I mean, I, no disrespect to the Dark Knight movies or anything. Just, you know, 
Guardians of the Galaxy versus Daredevil and Jessica Jones. Yes. Absolutely. Um, you know, is, apples and oranges. Is Kristen Ritter related in any way to John Ritter? Um, that maybe. His daughter, maybe? Maybe. Don't know. I, I always assume that people... One, his daughter is an, one of his daughters is an actress. I'm going to find out. Old IMDB. Here we go. Imdb. Choir. The old Mdba. Um, she was born in 1981. Yeah. Possibility then. John. Oh, it's wow! It's the second thing that comes up. Is Kristen Ritter related to John Ritter? I don't think so. Uh, I don't think so. Nothing else is coming up. All right. Anyway. Um. Anyway, yeah. if the shows start crossing over, it's going to be there's a, a neat little bit. Rosario Dawson is playing. What is the, the, it's the night nurse, I guess, but in this case, she's Claire Temple. Okay. Claire Temple in the comics is Luke Cage's ex-girlfriend. Ooh. So if these shows start moving together, there could be some conflict in there. Saucy times. Yeah. Well, that's going to do it for Book of the Week and Trailer Rambling of the Week for now. Um... We still have more comics to talk about because I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but we did this show called Talking Comics. <gasps> no. I know. I know. It might be a marvel for you to behold. <gasps> Knowledge bombs being uh, dropped. It's even a dark tonight. horse candidate. Sorry. <laughs> uh, all right. So we have the shared book of the week. And I wasn't here last week, but given what the book is, I'm fairly certain that Bob picked it. Am I right? This is true. <laughs> All right. So um, the book of the week is Clean Room by Gail Simone and art by John Davis hyphen Hunt. He's hyphened. <laughs> He's definitely hyphened the art and colors. Yeah. 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 So, uh, Bob, I'm going to let you kick things off and tell us a little bit about Clean Room. Well, I'll just go right from the, the, the solicitation descriptions. Astrid Muller is the enigmatic and compelling guru of a giant self-help organization, a devastatingly powerful figure in the industry between psychology and religion. Journalist Chloe Pierce's fiancé decided to pick up Astrid's book, and within three months he was dead. Something in the book made Philip blow his brains out all over Chloe's new kitchen. Chloe's now on a mission to find out who Astrid Muller really is and what is this clean room. <gasps> um... What we have here obviously tie-ins to L. Ron Hubbard, Scientology, all sorts of self-help gurus placed in a – it is a it is noirish detective, some horror. We don't know sort of yet. Um, Gail doing, you know, the sort of work that you anticipate in, in the darker books that she does, where whether that's, uh, you know, Secret Six – uh, certainly leaving Megalopolis, uh, the graphic novel that was out some bit ago, which we may even talk about later. So I I won't say what I thought. Let us pass this around the room. Steve, what did you think of The Clean Room? <laughs> Why aren't you saying what you thought of it? Because wouldn't you? I'd rather hear you guys talk about it first, and I'll come in after. I thought it was really good. I did. I um I like Gail the most when she's doing kind of her – offbeat stuff like leaving megalopolis like you mentioned she does horror really really she is one of those writers that can like immediately establish characters and a world um just within one issue the art uh 
in this issue in particular. I didn't know that he did the colors too. I thought was gorgeous. There's um these whole panels of this girl kind of like wading into water inside of a forest, with like all these bubbles coming up as she goes underneath and giant moon. And it's just absolutely gorgeous. Uh, I thought the concept of it was really, really bizarre. And um, it's funny that I didn't even really pick up on the noir aspect until you said that word. And I was kind of going through the story again in my head. And I think you're right about that. Um, I'm curious to see where this goes. I think there are enough interesting characters in here to make a really good story. I like the kind of blending of uh, reality versus this these horrific visions that the main mm-hmm. character is having. It reminds me a little bit of uh, Jacob's Ladder to to some degree. Uh, Tim Tim Robbins' character in that film, for different reasons, he's seeing things, but um, the idea of kind of being in a place that even after you escape kind of changes you and corrupts you for the rest of your days. And that, that truth that you learn starts to leak out into your everyday life and you can't really live it anymore. Mm-hmm. I think is a, is a fascinating uh, concept for a comic book. Yeah, well, and hit uh, me with that a little bit. Do you remember in the mouth of madness? Yes. Yeah. It's one of my favorite movies. Right. A lot of that where it's, flashes of oddity and he's never the same after he begins to yep. get infected. Have I ever told you how much I like the color blue? Yeah. <laughs> I love Absolutely, that. Movie. Yeah. If you've not seen that movie, it's October or any month. Check out John Carpenter's uh, In the Mouth of Madness. It is fantastic. All right. So I guess that ma'am. was me and my that thoughts on this. Yes, ma'am. Um, so I honestly, I, I, Saw a little bit of the preview panel for this back in April at Emerald City. Um, so I, I got to see some pages and hear Gail talk about it a bit. And uh, I was intrigued. Um, Gail was like a bit weird about like I felt like she didn't really do a good job of explaining what this really entailed. It felt very robotic to me. But um, maybe that was just because... She was frazzled that day. But anyways, um, I didn't really know too much of what to expect going into it. And um, I, first of all, love the covers by Jenny Frisson. Like, Jenny Frisson is, like, a goddess to me. She's gorgeous. She's talented. And she's, like, the nicest human ever. Like, come on. At least be a jerk or something. (laughs) Um, But she's so damn talented. And I just want to see a book drawn by her. Um, but that's not to say that the art inside isn't amazing. I thought that, um, that was really, really solid. I loved the colors and, um, I had to read the first, um, few pages several times though. Like there were, there were a couple moments that I felt a bit, um, disjointed, like they just didn't connect very well to me. Um, and those threw me for a bit of a loop. Like they took me out of the story cause I kept on having to go back and, you know, um, check those out and kind of be like, wait, what, what happened? What? Um, so I, I, I felt like a little bit, um, not annoyed, but just like, again, just a little bit out of it, trying to pick up on some of the things that were happening, um, at the beginning there. But, um, once things get going, they really get going. And (laughs) I mean, you would think that the first issue, would be the build-up to this character deciding that she was going to go on a witch hunt for um, 
Astrid Mueller. But, I mean, she gets right into it. Yeah. Um, which, you know, was a shock. Um, and this isn't, isn't a miniseries, right? Like, it's a... It's ongoing as yeah, far as... Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was like, oh, okay, well, all right, apparently, you know, put on your boots. We're jumping right in. Um, I enjoyed it. Um, again, like, I didn't love the issue as a whole, but I felt like it was intriguing enough to carry on. Um, I liked the creepiness of it, and I liked the intrigue, um, that it left me with, especially at the end of the first issue. Um, so yeah, Bob, finish your thoughts on this. I really, really enjoyed it a lot. Uh, I, I sort of had a preconceived notion about what I thought it was going to be that were blown away instantly that I thought that opening scene was really affecting if off-putting just as you're saying stuff. And that you, you went somewhere else right away and said, wait a minute. I ju- we just shifted gears. The horse kept go went left and I keep sliding on forwards, but I, that being off put a little bit. And then we get into Chloe's story. Who's a very engaging protagonist. I thought, with uh, in a very personal mission, and as you say, right into it, you add that to a super creepy atmosphere, and a lovely setup moving forward as we we get to meet the antagonist at the end. And I thought, even in one panel, did anyone watch the Sarah Connor Chronicles when it was on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're thinking well, of um, Shirley Manson. Shirley Manson, yeah. yeah. Astrid Miller in one panel. It's like, oh yeah, I, I, you, they nailed it for me. So I can't wait to see this moving forward. I This is one of those things where normally I'd say I'd want to read this, trade weight it, but I think I want to see this month to month. I want to see where this goes, at least for a few issues to see what's going to happen. Nice. Um, as per usual, we have some thoughts via uh, Twitter, uh, the hashtag TCBOTW. And um, so Liberal Bastion says, I thought it was a first a good first issue drew me in well interested to see where she goes with it um jesse bowden 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 horror chess lots of pink color me intrigued you did it again miss simone um uh De- tad palumbo great first issue super creepy monster work could have done without the kfc ad opposite the tragedy on page four though <laughs> yes <laughs> brilliant um Bat Fawns says, clean room, unanswered questions. Who cleans the clean room? Do they do home visits? Is Gil <laughs> Simone really Astrid Mueller? Good start. TCBOTW. Um, bash back issue back, but, <laughs> back issue blog. That's really hard to say, you guys. <laughs> um, perfect timing for Halloween. A horrific mystery that I'm going to look forward to each month, it seems. Um, toxic Sooner. Wasn't what what it would be? I, I think it's supposed to be wasn't what I thought it would be. But I enjoyed Clean Room number one. Good balance of mystery. And it set me up to bring me back for issue number two. And I posted moments ago that you had mere moments to get your final thoughts in. And... Um, Fems in Fridges says, Speed talks. Pretty spooky. Not my art style. Lovely color palette. Love how bright it is. What's the plot? <laughs> um, <laughs> so that is going to do it. Those are the those are your responses. Um, I feel like there may be things on the forums that I'm not paying attention to. La, 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 la. 
somebody just danced. Blah, 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 blah. Clean room. Oh, Pacino. And Bob picks clean room number one. I feel like that's sarcastic and full of shock. Um, there's only one response here from Clint Gulo. Gail Simone is hit and miss with me. Unfortunately, this was a miss. Didn't find the characters or story very engaging. I'm sorry to have ended it on a bad note. I didn't realize oh, this one was going to be a bad you note. You have to have balance. Okay. Well, is very good taste, so there you go. I, again, I enjoyed it. I didn't love it, but I'm definitely intrigued. Um, everything that you've all said is valid and wonderful. Look at him, not as curmudgeonly as host, apparently. Yes. Um, I like, I like yeah, host yeah. Stephanie. I like regular Stephanie, too, but host Stephanie is a different change. Thanks. And your pace. Thanks, Bob. You know, You're you such a, a national great job treasure. that Bobby never comes back. <laughs> Bob is an international treasure. Take that, Nicolas Cage. <laughs> um, so, I, I think we're like just going to jump into solicitations which i still haven't looked at so i'm gonna let bob take point on this and we're just gonna like i i don't have anything to add to this bob what what are you excited for in the january solicitations all sorts of stuff there are you tell us dc for instance (laughs) is is starting a legend of wonder woman book a (gasps) nine issue miniseries by renee de liz And, oh, yeah, this ties into the movie, right? Right. Where you're going to see her origin and some nods to the actual origin as well. So mm-hmm. an yeah, interesting counterpoint to the fact we're losing sensation, but this will take its place in the schedule. We've got uh, from Marvel, we Silver Surfer is back this month. Where in this instance, it is still Dan Slott and the All Reds. After traveling through all of space and time and the universe reassembling itself, the surfer decides to show Dawn a fantastic planet she doesn't know, the Earth. And just reading that, I had a big smile on my face. I mean, that should be a whole lot of fun. We've got Patsy Walker number two. Squirrel Girl is back. Uh, IDW has a new Rocketeer miniseries, Rocketeer War by Mark Guggenheim, which should be a lot of fun. Dark Horse has the sequel series to Leaving Megalopolis, Surviving Megalopolis by Gail Simone and Jim Cagliafori. Nice. Uh, Bitch Planet will be back in January, as will Pretty Deadly. We've got a Rat Queens issue with Tess Fowler on art. A couple of big anniversaries. We have a Walking Dead 150. Stephanie, how far into Walking Dead are you? I finished with that like at like issue 106. Seven or something. Oh. I was like, no. Time to play catch up. You only have forty-seven issues to go. And oh. there's Spawn two sixty. And that's actually McFarlane and Eric Larson doing art do- and story duties on that. Nice. What's everybody else looking at so far? Um, well, there uh, on the DC side of things, there's Poison Ivy, uh, Cycle of Life and Death number one. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, from, one, from uh, Amy, Amy Chu. Chu. And Clay Mann on uh, on art, and uh, that is one of six. So that starts in January. Um, I'm very very much looking forward to that. Uh, there's a couple other things I'm scrolling. Bob, down. And I know this is technically like not a new series, but mm-hmm. did you see uh, Gotham Academy number fourteen, which is um, the yearbook story? Yep. Yes, when we were at the NYCC pals, they were discussing how this is the second season, yeah. and we're going to 
investigate all these characters, flesh out all sorts of things. Can't wait to see where that'll go because that's just been such a lovely book. And every time you see one of these extra people, it's a highlight. So having more of them, even better. Um, and bring it, Steve. Oh, yes. Um, I'm I'm gonna pose a question to you. Sure. Speaking of you know DC and Marvel, which is the worst title of all time, Captain America White or the Dark Knight the Master Race? I'm gonna <laughs> go with Dark Knight the Master Race. I feel like that's probably accurate. Yes. Although both culturally inappropriate. Marvel for, for, for today, yes. Um, um, I'm just looking get... at the solicitations for the Master Race number three, and like, I'm just like, oh, we're serious, guys? Yeah, I saw serious? that for the first time Who today. Who let this I guess happen? Title Who approved this? Because you should be fired. You want to know some cool image books that are coming in January? Yes. Um, well, it actually starts Wednesday, uh, the first issue of Greg Rucka's Black Magic yeah. uh, with Nicholas Scott on art is uh, coming out, but... Mm-hmm. Number four will be out in January. Um, Cry Havoc, number one, from Simon Spurrier. Uh, we talked about X-Men Legacy last week. He has a new book from Image coming out with Ryan Kelly on art. Um, Descender is continuing. Um, scrolling, I'm sorry, scrolling through these is a bit of a thing. Uh, something called The Goddamned by Jason Aaron Ooh, and um, R.M. Guerra. For art and uh, and cover, interested to see what uh, what that is. Did you? Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, like a sea of Luther Strode image. number four finally comes back. Oh my god. Are um, you interested at all in this? Is not image again, but I'm just scrolling through uh, Batman Europa. You know, I I don't know anything about that. What is that? Um, apparently, I'm, I'm looking at the solicitation for number four, but it looks like there's a virus that gets released. Um, and Joker and Batman make their final stand in the ruins of Rome's Colosseum. Sure. Yeah, I don't know. The covers yeah. look real cool. Like I'm kind of interested. It's um, on the story and art detail. I don't know. The site that I'm looking at does not have those details. Uh, I can find out. Saga's coming back. Saga uh, will be yeah, around in January. Yeah. Um, I'll look up the uh, the Batman Europa thing. Paper right Girls number four. Oh yeah. Yep. What other? Is there any other new number ones? I mean, we've got Batgirl continuing. Um, we've got, let's see, I'm I'm scrolling through because I'm uh, Suicide Squad, Most oh, we've Wanted, got, um, Deadshot, and Katana. Suicide Squad's Most Wanted, Deadshot, and Katana, number one. Let's echo in here. Swamp <laughs> Thing, number one, from Len Wein. Yes. Wasn't he, he created he uh, created Swamp Thing. Yes. Yeah. There you go, I got something right. Yeah. <laughs> um... There's a Captain Marvel number one from Marvel that I'm... With Chris. Oh, I didn't even look at the Marvel ones. Chris Anka on art, yeah. which is great, but I'm not... Um, we were in space for the last arc, and it, it worked out okay. Here we go. But now this is all space again, and Alpha Flight, and I'm not so sure, but I will, I'm on board. I'll try. Uh, Batman Europa is Matteo Casali and Brian Azzarello oh. with uh, layouts by Giuseppe Camancoli. Interesting. Yes. So that okay. looks like, and these covers are pretty ridiculously awesome. So uh, Dark Horse has a new Alabaster miniseries from Caitlin Kiernan. 
I still need to get the second volume oh. of that. I don't think there was a second volume. There was... Um, well, there was another story, right? There was like a... Yeah. But like it wasn't like that a, universe? Yeah. Um, but yeah. That's, yeah. That's our solicitations section. Sorry, Bobby. That's probably <laughs> lamer than you anticipated, but sorry, it's my show. Um, we're going to talk about the present before we signed off though and by that i mean it's wednesday for everyone who's listening maybe possibly hopefully probably mm-hmm. anyways what are you guys excited for on the shelves what about you bob what are you picking up not a heck of a whole lot but one of them is squirrel girl number one what about power up are you still reading power up i love the first issue but i'm gonna buy that as a trade okay i have i've read i've Shh, don't tell anyone. I've been reading them in the store, and I've been really enjoying my glimpses through them. So I definitely want to read the rest of that story. But I, I just struck me as even from the first issue, I want I want the whole the whole mess of it. That was a lot of fun. So what what issue are they up to? Are they up to five now? Um, four or five, I think, is due out. Yes. Where did I yeah. just see this? I just saw it, and now I can't find it. Um. It is the previews week, by the way. Everyone go in there and get oh, your... Oh, number four. Done. Sorry. Number four. Uh, there's a Batgirl 45. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I am mm-hmm. uh, picking up with my nose held New Avengers number two because <laughs> I already pre-ordered it and I can't stiff my guy with it. So I'll, hopefully it'll get better because the first issue was bleh. Uh, Black Magic, definitely interested in that because love both creators. Oh, I just caught up with Velvet too. Totally. Oh. Good. Don't, Although don't that's not Greg it. Rucka. Sorry. Don't uh, spoil it because I, I trade weight on that. I'm through two trades and that is... Oh, I, that's the second trade. Oh, I okay. just finished the second trade too. Don't yeah, worry. Can't, can't wait to... I have to wait six months, but I can't wait to read more of that. <laughs> I know. You, you and I are at the same spot. Um, I was thinking that was Rucka, but it's not. I'm getting Lazarus and Velvet confused. Right. But Blue Baker and Epting. Yes. Um, by the way, as a sidebar... Um, Green River Killer, a true detective story, is the book I was referring to earlier when I was speaking ah. about um, the New Deal by Jonathan Case. Nice. So um, it's actually, coincidentally, coming out in a new trade paperback tomorrow, today, time travel. Yes. Uh, from Dark Horse, FYI. Uh, Steve, Mm-mm-mm. what are you excited for? I'm excited for Batgirl, even though I feel like it comes out every other week. Is it double shipped? Oh, no. No. Anyway, I can never get enough of that book. I absolutely love it. Uh, Let's see. We Are Robin, number five, comes out tomorrow. Uh, I've been enjoying the uh, Batman and Robin Eternal, that or whatever it's called. Batman and I'm saying I enjoyed it. Oh, yeah, it is Batman and Robin Eternal. Ha ha. Ha ha. I was correct. That's that weekly... Uh, job from various uh, Batman people. It's been really good. Um, Black Magic number one looks tasty. Uh, if you haven't read it, the trade paperback for Mantle, Ed Burson's Mantle, comes out Wednesday, and that book is awesome. So that's a $14.99 image trade. Uh, I have the single issues, but I am going to pick that up because it is that good. Uh, I might jump on to the uh, Ninth Generation, uh, the Stapon Sejish book that I read the the trade for not too long ago. And let me see, Marvel. Ooh, Angela, Queen of Hell. 
Annie Wu and Stephanie Hans and Marguerite Bennett. God, I'll be there for them that. for the rest of us. Yes. Well, hey, Bob mentioned a bunch of mine. I can stop now <laughs> if you want. It's okay. Uh, Howling Commandos of S.H.I.E.L.D., number one. from uh, What did Frank I just Barbieri. say? What? <laughs> you said to go ahead. I know. I'm, I'm All right. I have more, but I'm done. I have a question before we go any further. Sure. Whose pick is it for Book of the Week? I know. I was actually going to come back to that, I promise. Cause oh, okay. I wanted to bring up, for instance, this book that I feel like maybe neither of you saw, Art Ops, number one, which is um, from DC, but it's writer uh, Sean Simon, which I don't know of, but the art is Mike Allred. Really? So in this new series by Sean Simon, co-writer Gerard Way. Uh, oh, uh, of the true life of the fabulous Killjoys, uh, the Umbrella Academy, and you may or may not know him from something, a little band called um, My Chemical Romance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways, so um, art not only imitates life, it becomes it. When rogue figures from famous works of art come to life and escape <laughs> their frames, it's up to <laughs> Reggie Riot and the agents of the art ops to track them down before they wreak havoc on, wreak havoc on the unsuspecting public. But Reggie has secrets of his own that may affect his ability to interact with these living works of art. And he wants no part in the agency his mother ran before him. Pop culture will never be the same. That sounds like a shared book of the week to me. I I feel like, see, Bob, I was coming back to that. Yeah, it was perfect. Um, Since I don't know whose pick it is, I feel like we're group picking this. What do you say? It's your show now. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. have to do what you want. All right. So Art Ops number one. That's going to be oh. our shared book of the week. Awesome. Um, I honestly haven't heard of this until I kind of just like clicked on it and looked. Um, we will discuss if it so happens that it's hard to find or whatever. But um, in, unless you hear otherwise via the Talking Comics Twitter or whatnot, Art Ops number one from DC. DC Vertigo or DC DC? It doesn't actually specify on the site. Oh, um, that's a good sign then. So I, I, I don't know. And there's no logo on the cover outside of... Oh, no, Vertigo. It's Vertigo. Okay. Um, There is finally a little barcode. Code? Oh, my. <laughs> that got real Canadian. Um, Yeah. All right. That's going to do it. That's going to do it for our things that we're excited for. I mean, Howling Commandos, you, you mentioned. That, mm-hmm. that looks good. It does. That looks Frank Barbieri good. is a quite the master of horror. I, I want to see what he does with those characters. I think it'll be fun. Who are um, in the Howling Commandos at this point? It's all monsters, right? Yeah. Okay. It's then, Halloween, right? Please. It's rock monsters and, and Frankenstein and, and a whole bunch of really cool uh, werewolves and mummies. It looks it's, awesome. It's going to be a really uh, good week for, you know, spooky comics. Spoopy comics. Um with I love that word. Angela, Queen of Hell, all kinds of cool stuff. Did How come there's like... no Sabrina this week? I know, because they're like, we don't have anything to give you. I know, it's so sad. What a great book. Um, Yeah, so, you know, that's going to do it. We're, we're going to, you know, tell you about some of the other things going on with the site, including our bevy of podcasts, as uh, fired Bobby Shorter will say. <laughs> Um, so we've got the Misfits, which is my other show, not mine. I mean, it's ours. Mara, Melissa, Maria, and, uh, this week, Nikki, Nikki Alfaro is on the show. And we talk about Next Wave. 
Yeah. Next wave the comic. Okay. <laughs> what? I've never heard her last name pronounced like that before. Alfaro? Alfaro? Alfaro. 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 <laughs> Sorry, Nikki. Sounds like a Pokemon. <laughs> oh my god, let's turn Nikki into a Pokemon. Nikki's probably I'm sure blushing. She wouldn't mind. Are you blushing, At least Nikki? For an afternoon. Stop blushing. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, so that's the Misfits. That's our new show. We did book club. Um, what else do we got? We got Talking Movies with Brian. He's fired. Talking Brian Valiant. Fired. <laughs> We've got Talking Valiant. We've got Talking Shojo. 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 Yep. Okay. Yeah. We've got Talking Games. Good job. <laughs> with uh someone named steve uh he's fired too well not yet but what are you doing this week steve um more than likely uh anybody that decided to of the group that got halo i haven't talked to them yet but i'm assuming somebody did i've been playing lots of assassin's creed syndicate Ooh, I've in the got last that. 24 hours. you got it yeah i haven't played it yet though oh it's good it's actually Arkham really Knight. good spoiler alert it's good I, I heard. Uh, I like I've been it. Playing I'm Arkham going to Knight. play it as soon as I'm we're finally done making my way through that. If anyone tells me who the Arkham Knight is, I'll kill you. Um, <laughs> you wow, okay. Yeah, I'm behind, okay? I moved. I I have a joint TV with my roommate. We watch a lot of TV when we're home. You gotta call the shots like you did with this podcast. Yeah, but she wears the pants. That's true. I, I do know your routine, so. Um... What else? I'm missing a podcast. Um, oh, Talking Trousers with Hugh Perry. <laughs> no, Talking Statham. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I can't keep track of all of Hugh's podcasts. Hugh has his own bevy of podcasts. <laughs> Eventually, we're going to have to get him to record at least one episode of all of these podcasts. Yeah, I think so. I mean, Some he's Patreon done Talking material. Trousers, Steve. No, oh, it's true. He did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want to get in touch with us, um, we are at TalkingComicBooks.com. We are on the Twitters at Talking Comics. Yeah. Uh, we're on Facebook, also at Talking Comics, Facebook.com slash Talking Comics. Um, you can get a hold of us at podcast at TalkingComicBooks.com. I'm starting, you know, like when you look at a word that you keep writing over and over again and it starts to look like it's spelt wrong. Yes. I'm yes. like, am I saying Talking Comics right? Just keep repeating it. Um, You're doing them. Let's see. Where where can you find all of us? I am at Twitter at HelloCookie. Steve? <laughs> I am at Twitter. I am our Twitter at dead <laughs> underscore anchorus. I swear I'm not drunk, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Bob. And I am still at Bob Ryer at TalkingComicBooks.com on the old-fashioned email. Um, he'll stalk your Twitter, but he just won't tell you he is. <laughs> he'll just know an alarming number of facts about things you've tweeted. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. I have spies. They tell me these things. Bob. Yes. Do you have anything you want to say? Yes, but you're supposed to let me interrupt. But okay. But I'm not Bobby. Like, I'm, I'm kind and, um, you know, I'm offering instead of just like saying that we're done. Here, for all our fans here on Long Island, uh, today, it being Wednesday the 28th, at Androids Comics from 5 to 8, Charles Soule will be signing books. Ooh, rah, rah. 
So for all those who want to go talk to a really charming and very talented fella, he'll be right down the street here in Sayville, Long Island. You said that was tomorrow? Today. T- today. Oh, it's to- oh, today. Ooh. Wibbly wobbly timey wimey. Yeah. Uh, oh, I can't. Damn it. All right, go ahead. I, <laughs> oh, I thought I could go. I can't go. Aw. Uh, unless I just stop by. Maybe I'll do that. It's on the way to every place. It's true, sure. Steve. It's so true. Get get your shit together. Hey, I got another <laughs> podcast to record. Um. All right, I, I guys. Have, I have one other thing. Oh. See, I got to interrupt. Yes. Ha. All right. <laughs> it, You're so happy. <laughs> it being... It being Halloween, I didn't get to ask you this question when we did our question show. So, Stephanie, what is your favorite monster? Ooh, my favorite monster. Um, does like young Frankenstein version of Frankenstein sure. monsters count? Absolutely. Yeah. Singing, putting on the Ritz. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, I think that's my official answer. That's a great answer. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. We'll save the other 39 questions for our next Patreon broadcast. Which I will try to be on. I was supposed to be here last week, and Bobby's like, up and changes the date on me, and I'm like, well, I can't gosh darn do that. <laughs> um, So it wasn't my fault last week, everyone. That's it why you got fired. It wasn't my fault. Yes. Um, yeah, that's and why that's why I'm cr- taking over. This is like to compensate. It's in our contract. <laughs> I have to look better at the small print. <laughs> yeah, take take a close look at that. Um, all right, so that's gonna do it for this week's show. Um, once again, forgive us this week of not so great, as great quality. Um, because you know we're not all mostly in a studio. Uh, we're all doing this via the Skypes, and um, I'm editing, so you know I get distracted easily. Um, so yeah, that's gonna do it. Um, and. As Fired Bobby would say, to be continued.